Good morning, Hope Church family. This is the time in the service where historically I'd invite you to grab someone's hand next to you and greet them. And I can't help but begin this service just reflecting on the fact that I miss that so much, miss the privilege of being in community together with you. But on this very special Sunday, Pastor Jim mentioned it earlier, this Palm Sunday, we recognize that there's a tremendously significant word that we're going to see in the book of Philippians today. That word is if. And, and on this morning, we recognize that historically there was a time when the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem and people declared the simple but profound words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But it would be just days after that, that there would be individuals that had not chosen to remember that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the if was that they had forgotten that and they cried, crucify him. This morning, as we've gathered together over technology, I'm encouraged to have the privilege to challenge you with perhaps one of the most important ifs that we will ever face in our lives. If we find encouragement in the Lord Jesus Christ, then everything about our lives is changed. When my grandfather was younger, back in the 40s, he was given the opportunity to sit in a sales presentation in Orlando, Florida. And during that presentation, they had models of roller coasters, and uh, they gave him the opportunity to purchase stock in a company that he wasn't that familiar with, and it was the company Disney. Now, what we're told is that if he had chosen to make that purchase, that a $1,000 investment would be worth something like $3.5 million today. It's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? But the key word there was if he chose not to invest in that. And I remember grandpa talking about that as something that he greatly regretted in his life, that he chose to invest in other things. When we helped them to move from Florida one of the things we found are all kinds of boxes of shop at home, home network, shopping network boxes that had never even been opened. And, and, and I can't help but think this morning that, that there's an if in our own spiritual lives that's similar to that. It can be an investment that we choose to accept as truth and that can result in something tremendously beneficial for us. Or it can be something that we ignore, that we put off, and it can prove to be something that's quite detrimental to us, way more significant than our financial well-being. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to encourage you to turn them on, open them up. Uh, we're going to study together a passage of scripture in the book of Philippians. Philippians is a tremendously encouraging book in God's word. In that book, it reminds us, as Chuck Swindoll titled a book on the book of Philippians, To Laugh Again. And I think for, for some of us, we do need to be reminded that there's joy the joy of the Lord can be our strength in the midst of so much disruption that surrounds us. And hidden in this chapter 2, at the beginning of chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we're going to see an if statement, one that I hope reflects who you are. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, so if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 
That if statement, I believe, is absolutely true for the believer that's chosen to accept the Lord into their life. That if statement is in Greek, a first class conditional. In this case, what that means, it's a fancy way of saying that for the sake of argument, he's saying, if you've accepted this, it can change your life completely. And I I look at those words more carefully and I I see that that it's saying here that, that there is comfort that comes from being in Christ Jesus. There's love, there's participation in the work of the Holy Spirit that he's doing in and through us. And that what can happen is that as a diverse community, we can find ourselves being unified together in Christ Jesus if we choose to accept what he's offered to us. I can't help but think in these days that there are so many things that falls short of the glory of God that people can choose to put their faith in. Some of them are almost laughable. Some of them break my heart to hear about them. I heard that this last week that, that alcohol sales in, in America have gone up 55% from the week before. The, the title of the article that I read said something like, um, salvation by Corona through the coronavirus. It's kind of goofy, isn't it? That, that people would look to something that feels maybe temporarily satisfying, but ultimately leaves them empty. You may have read about the president of Mexico that had declared publicly that it was going to be their country's lucky charms that were going to help to keep them protected from the virus. For some, they've set empty goals, like that they want to watch everything that's on Netflix. Can you imagine if it got to the end of that, what that would feel like? For for others, I, I... I think that the news has become something that has moved beyond just finding out information to a point where it almost feels like it's it's necessary, that I I have to pay attention to every headline, everything. And it reminds me of the days after September 11th when the news was something that, that kind of whipped us up into this, I need to know so much. But often if you're watching the news, it's really can be quite discouraging. It can also be something that we find ourselves depending upon. But here, the Apostle Paul, when he penned these extremely encouraging words, what he's saying is something that ought to be provocative for us. And and I, I don't know how to word this any other way, but to say he's offered this to us, and we have a choice if we are going to access it. And the things that he's offering to us are quite beautiful. In verse one, any encouragement in Christ. We need encouragement today. Any comfort from love. That, that love is not just God's comfort to us, but it's comfort in community. Any participation in the spirit. I love this idea. My grandfather was a believer that loved the Lord so much in his life. He was a pastor and Uh, regardless of the decisions that he made regarding stock purchases, one of the things that amazed me at the end of his life, I had the privilege of spending time with him in a nursing home. He didn't even know who I was. He didn't remember my name. He didn't know, but he could pray so beautifully. And it's so moving to me to know that about him because the Holy Spirit was still at work in his life. And he could pray, pray in such a way that just reminded me that even as his body had wasted away, that the work of the Holy Spirit was still at work. And part of the beauty of fellowship and community is not just the fact that I have the promise of the Holy Spirit, 
but it's that I have the privilege of experiencing the power of God at work in you. And you and community allow me to have the privilege of seeing God at work. And the way that, that Paul puts it, he goes on in verse two to say, complete my joy. This is his prayer as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a church planner, by being of the same mind, have the same love, be in full accord and of one mind. For many of us today, we're, we're seeing the, the reality of what might have been dysfunction in our home as we're stuck together. And, and there's some tragic stories of individuals whose families have been exposed for the fact that they were broken. This is what Paul is warning us against when he says, if we're not understanding the love of Christ, it's going to show up in our relationships. They're going to break down potentially in front of us. And he challenges us to be people who commit to having one mind together. That there's a secret to that. And it's one that's going to cost an awful lot to us. Because he goes on to say in the text in verse 3, a do-nothing statement that's crucial. I, I think we've heard maybe this passage before and we've, we've read these words or we've heard these words taught and, and, and there's something about this that's really hard for us to accept because I think we wanna say, we wanna say like do this 50% of the time, do this 65% of the time. No, actually what God's word says in verse three, it's quite specific is it says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. I, I want to pause there and say, that is unnatural. That, is, that requires something that is supernatural. We, we hear it every day, every commercial, we are often commercials, you deserve a break today. This is your time, me time, right? We, we have so many different versions of that in our culture where I think that what we kind of feel like is as long as I'm doing good for, for others most of the time or some of the time, then, then, then I get to keep this, this space for me. And the apostle Paul is doing something where he's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That last statement gives us an indication of what this means. This mind of Christ was not just the idea of the words that Jesus spoke when he was with them, but this comes from the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. This mind of Christ also comes from the very things that they watched Jesus do. Remember when the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, right? That, that Jesus chose to harness their ambition there and he chose to say, let me teach you what it means to serve. And he gets down on his knees and he washes their feet and they, the moments right before the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the, the moments right before the Lord Jesus is going to go to the cross, and the moments before it, he allowed this powerful message of what it means for us to live together in community. And it requires us to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. We accept that surrounding us personal fulfillment is something that people are seeking right now. 
And I believe what God's word is teaching us here is that personal fulfillment can only come through fulfilling the needs of others. The way that this describes it, it describes it as something that, that flows out of our abiding in the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. It flows out our, of our ability to love others like we choose to love ourselves. I love this quote by Dr. Carl Menninger when he was asked, what would he do if he knew that he himself was on the verge of a nervous breakdown? And his reply back was, I'd go out and find somebody in need, and I would choose to help him. That statement is so convicting to me because it, it shows what happens in some people's hearts when they say, I am overwhelmed. I am frightened. I don't know what next week is going to look like. But every one of my neighbors feels that same way. And the, the Christian response that's so essential for us is to accept that some of those neighbors don't even have access to the hope that we hold dear. Can't even imagine what these days would feel like if I didn't know that there was a God in heaven that knows the numbers of the hairs on my head, right? That God in heaven that knows my fears, that, that he knows the way that I pray for my daughters and my family at this time. That's, that's heavy, but I have hope. And I can't imagine those that are around me that, that don't have that same blessed hope. And I want to encourage you this morning that, that this is part of our privilege, is that we love those people like we love ourselves. And we've had examples of that in our church family. I, I hope to continue to see, I want to see an epi, a pandemic of Christians choosing to seek others and to pursue their needs as more important than their own. For some of us, that's going to mean sacrificial giving. For some of us, that's going to mean that we're going to have to lay down some of our rights. It's kind of weird to feel this way, but for some of us, it might mean that we stay away from some of the people that we love. That's a, a weird dynamic of all of this. But, but to pursue, when I've challenged our church family to pursue 19 people, I think it's great. There's a few of you that have reached out and you're like, Pastor Sean, I've, I've called like 19 people every day. I'm tired. I'm okay with you doing it just once a week or a person, spread it out. 19, who cares? It's a goofy number. But the challenge that we've seen happen in our church family is people who've done exactly what this verse says. That they've said, you know what? I'm going to set aside what's comfortable for me. I'm going to move away from, from seeing my time as only for me. And they've chosen to say that they're going to pursue others with that, that energy. There's, there's so many examples around us right now of people who, whether it were, was individuals that were given privilege information to know that this was coming and they, they made selfish decisions or the, the stories of the guys who go around and buy up everything and, and, and decide that they're frustrated with Amazon because they're not allowed to sell it at a certain kind of profit. And I remember watching that interview on the news and I'm watching it. I'm just thinking like, this guy doesn't even know that, that what he's doing is potentially tremendously selfish. And he's complaining because he can't ex get the profits that he wants to have. I think it's the definition of what this was talking about. There's so many examples of that. But what I'm so grateful for in the Christian community is that there've been individuals who've chosen to say, I'm going to pursue those who have, don't have what I have. So the goal for us, I believe, as a church is that we want to be people that love the way that the Apostle Paul is challenging this church in Philippi to do, 
to have the same mind among them that was Christ Jesus, that they love others like they love themselves. And on this Palm Sunday, as we anticipate celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, these words that follow are so profound because it's going to describe the ultimate example of an individual who chose to lay down his rights for the sake of others. And that others is you and I, that the Lord Jesus did this. In verse six, it says, who, though he was in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For you and I, the, the cross has become something so familiar for us. We, we might have a, a piece of jewelry that has it on it. It's been something that's been a part of my life. There's a massive one right behind me right now. We're used to the cross. But did you know that in the days that these words were penned, you didn't even describe the term cross. You used a euphemism that said those unhappy people that were hung, hung on that unhappy tree, that they described this in such a way that they couldn't even use the words because it was so violent. It was intended to be so embarrassing to the person who did. it destroyed them, literally, physically, but also it was embarrassing. It was violent. It was horrible. And, and so when we reflect on the work of the cross, that, that when he says, even the death on the cross, as we consider this, this Good Friday, that is counterintuitive, that term, right? Good Friday, that, that there was violence and evil that was pushed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but he chose it, but he chose it for a reason. And that is because he loved you so much that he was willing to lay down his life so that you do not have to anticipate death in the natural way, that you don't have to anticipate death with separation from God for eternity, but instead that you can anticipate living in the very presence of God through the work of Jesus for the work that he did on our behalf. Verse nine says this, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, in this Easter season, we remember that Jesus the pre-incarnate God, that's taught here, that, that Jesus was from the beginning. He was fully God and fully man, that he condescended to earth, giving up some of his rights as God. Though he experienced temptation, he never sinned. He served sacrificially to the point of death, even point to, of death on that cross that was even unmentionable in his day. Yet he chose to do so because of the fact that he loves you and I so much. This is our privilege today. One of the things that God offers us later in the book of Philippians, there's this, this statement, this is what I pray for you, is that he says that there is a, a peace that we can have in our lives that surpasses all of our understanding. 
Right now, we're overwhelmed with information. We're overwhelmed with the circumstances that surround us. But to be able to say that there's a peace of God in Philippians 4, 7 that, that reminds us that God can ultimately grant us hope through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's accessible. But the if term, so much more important than buying stock in Disney, is if we choose to find comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ, or if we choose to find comfort in the empty things that the world has to offer us. So this morning, by way of application, I want to challenge you with a handful of things. The first is this, this question that, that comes to the surface from these verses, and that is, if he is offering this to you, are you choosing to receive it? If he's offering you comfort and peace and encouragement, are you an individual that knows that peace personally? And if you're living in fear, I want to challenge you today, right now, turn this thing off, get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive the hope that you've offered to me. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, the, the, the main point this morning in my notes is that if Christ is, if Christ is your hope, then it's, it's time for us to live like it. And I want to encourage you that that's an option for you. The second application this morning that I want to challenge you in is, is that if you are afraid and you've entrusted your life into the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is challenging the recipients this way. He's saying, if you have this comfort in Christ, then it ought to impact the way that you love your neighbors. It ought to impact the way that you see your things. It ought to impact the way that you invest your time. So if you are afraid today, I want to ask you the question, how much more afraid are your neighbors? If you are unsettled or discouraged, I want to challenge you to be someone who pursues those who are around you. Maybe it's even those in your home right now, in your, in your smaller community, that, that you may assume something about them, but that they need to be pursued by you. I want to challenge you to seek at least 19 people in a week that you would not have crossed path with, paths with if you hadn't been intentional about pursuing them. As I've gone through this in my own life, I'm waking up at weird times in the morning with people on my heart that I hadn't thought about for a significant amount of time. And when I have pursued those individuals, the things that have come out of that has been pretty amazing. So I want to encourage you, challenge you to do that. Third thing this morning is that I want to remind you in this Easter season that Christ died for you so that you can have the hope of having moved from death to life and I want to encourage you in the midst of so many disappointments that are surrounding us that you don't allow that to be one that defines you, that you ignore the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you with that. And finally, um, it, it was interesting that um, I heard a, a, a college that um, had put something out that asked people to remember them in their will. And it sounds so tremendously insensitive in this time period that someone would say, hey, we want a legacy gift or don't forget us when we, I, I, I can't help but think that as, as sad as that is, that this is a time for us in our lives where we do need to get our affairs in order. 
It's time for us to ask ourselves the deepest questions of our lives. And one of those affairs that I want to remind you to get in order is that you have a lifetime to determine how you're going to respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as I have heard this truth, this if that is so essential for us to deal with, let's just make sure together that that if of us finding our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ would be something that defines us completely. So if you have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, my encouragement to you would be that you would be able to, to pray this prayer that the apostle Paul prays, that, that is one where we find our deepest encouragement in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Hope Church, that you would, would end this service today deeply encouraged by the fact that he loves you, there's hope for you, God has a plan for you, and we can move forward as a community in the loving kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ as it's lived out in the way we love our community. So the final words are this, if Christ is your hope, live like it.